Have your 
power yours is the glory forever. Come on, church, sing it out. Tell them today. Yours is the kingdom. Come on, we're speaking the word right here, right now, church. Have it come into this place right now. Forever, amen. Forever, amen. Just pray for a moment. Forever, oh, just bow your heads and just let's pray just for a moment. We ask, Lord, the Lord's prayer. We ask, just like the song says, yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory, God. Just say those words, yours is the kingdom, the power, and glory, God, right now. That just means that everything that we are, God, it's yours, God. We release, Lord God, anything that is holding us back from Christ right now in the name of Jesus. We release anything that's holding us back, our attitude, our mindset, Lord God, and we are all in, Lord God, to what you're doing right now, Lord God. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, Lord God. One more time, Jen. Yours is the kingdom, yours. Just join in. With the power, yours is the glory forever oh, yours is the kingdom yours is the power yours is the glory forever thank you Lord God we love you and we glorify you in Jesus name we pray amen give God praise Woo! you guys can be seated Thank you, thank you. As the guys come forward, we're going to take some offering. And uh, if you're new here, my name is John. Thank you for being here. Just honored to sing and worship with you. And the greatest thing that we do is we make God greater in our life, in this room than outside this room. That is our goal, to make much of God, to make whatever God is doing, to make much of him in our life. And I hope that that is your goal as well, or you learn to do that as we walk in faith and in discipleship. Um, but today, I'm going to pray as we give. But at the end of this message, we're going to give again. I know we sent that out if you have our app. We are providing backpacks for kids at Five Points. And I want you guys to all be a part of it. It could be minuscule to you, but it makes a big deal to them, to those kids at, uh, at Five Points. And uh, if you don't know, uh, we help... Uh, the kids in that area who live in uh, those homes, who live in the projects there with Urban Outreach. And we love Urban Outreach. We've been, uh, we've been together with them for, I believe, five years. So every year we've been, we've been connected with them and God has uh, linked our arms and uh, we're going to continue to give. We're going to continue to provide. I believe that if God has blessed us and, uh, you know, we, we live in the subs, right? We live in the suburbs, most of us, and if God has blessed our lives, that we have to. There's, there is no, that we cannot limit God giving through us. So I ask from you to give to this ministry called Urban Outreach to provide for the kids. And we're not going to give them like 
lame stuff. We're going to give them what we give our kids. That's what we promised that we would do. We said if, they, we, if we get, you know, whatever we get, if we get a nice backpack, they get a nice backpack. We're not going to give them like $2 backpacks made in whatever. I'm not going to say it. That sounds racist. Korea. Korea, okay? I said it. Um, but we're going to give them the best. We're going to give them the best. So um, let's, uh, we're, this is just for our normal offering, and then we're going to take another offering. Candice is going to tell you exactly where that's going, but let's pray. Heavenly Father, we honor you. We thank you, Lord God. Lord, we ask you to come. You are our Father in heaven, Lord God. And hallowed be your name, which means your name is the greatest, Lord God. We want to make much of your name, Lord God. Your kingdom come and your will be done here in our church family as it is in heaven. The way you move in heaven, we want you to move in our lives, in our children, in our workplace, and wherever we put our two feet, Lord God, we want your kingdom to be there with us, Lord God. I pray we never forget the mission of God. It does not end with us. It always ends with you, Lord God. And it's funny because the fulfillment is found when it ends with you, Lord God. That's how you made us. So I pray in the name of Jesus as we give, we honor you, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, thank you guys. Thank you. As I'm just preparing this, talk to one, someone next to you. Tell them how nice they look. Nice blouse, right? That is a wonderful beige blouse you are wearing. But good morning, guys. Good morning. Yeah, get to know someone right next to you. The longer I do this, the more I find it important. The bigger we get, the smaller I think it's it, it, that we should get our mindset to get to know the person right next to us, how important they are. Hello, Drea. But welcome, if this is your first time, to Hill City Church. Every week, our goal is to elevate and honor Jesus. We choose to engage we choose to engage in passionate worship. We choose to participate in the Word of God. We choose for God's Word to speak to us because God's Word reveals Jesus and Jesus changes lives. And, and we choose to connect authentically with one another. And this opens the door to God to move among us and in us because God inhabits the praises, the worship of His people. And then we take the presence of God outside these doors. The presence of God, everything that you experience and learn in this place, it cannot remain here. There is a mission that we're on, and we all know it. We all know that we're made for purpose, and you, you just know it because when we're not living in purpose, there's something lacking. And God has given us a purpose that we need to take a hold of, that we can't just live and just say, man, life is about me. The worst thing that we could do is focus on ourselves. I'm telling you, as Christians and as non-Christians, it doesn't matter. The worst, the, thing, the worst place you can be at is when you're so focused on yourself. And we say this, when you're at your job or your workplace, what, why do you get so upset? Because you're focused on yourself. Why? My promotion, my life. Why do we get upset in marriage sometimes? And why do we argue so much? It's because I'm focused on myself, like you didn't meet my needs, right? You, and and, 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 and there's, it goes on and on and on. And I pray that as we reflect back onto Jesus, it's funny, when we get to focus off ourselves and let God reveal his light into us, there's a levity, there's a light, there's a peace 
there's a joy. And those are promises of God as we seek God first. And so in your worship, don't hold back. Don't give God lame worship, which just is a Christian word for give God. When you're singing, sing. If you're, if you're praising, praise. If you're, if you're going to listen to a message, listen up. Give your best to God wherever you are. Because when God's presence fills us, then we take it outside these walls and we step into our world to make it better everywhere we step so others can encounter Jesus too. That's the church, that we encounter Jesus and we make disciples. If you've been a Christian for more than five years, I'm challenging you. There has to be a discipleship mentality. There's a, in the beginning, there's a mentality like, God, teach me. And then there's a, at some point, we have to say, God, use me to lead others. And I was praying to God about this because this is so important because I've, I've started my own like discipleship thing I, I do. And, 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 and I was like, God, I don't know how to do this thing called discipleship. I read the Bible and I'm like, I don't know how to do this. And, and this is what, because I've never been like formally discipled or whatever, right? Someone hasn't taken me under their wings and said, this is how you do it, John. And this is what God spoke to me. He says, the fatherless need to learn how to be fathers. It doesn't matter if you feel like no one has led you before. It doesn't stop the mission of God. Discipleship, it still has to be at hand. We can't stop that in our lives. We encounter Jesus, we make disciples. And that's not just for super Christians and the Ned Flanders of the world, right? It's for all of us. We're all called to make disciples. That's obedience to God. Even when it's awkward, but you know it's right, do what's right. That's called obedience. That's called obedience, even if you don't feel it. Because as we move, and as we act, and as we obey, you will see God move. We think we want God to move in our lives so that then we can move forward. But God says, nah, -uh. you, you act, you are in, in your obedience, I will be with you. In your obedience, I'll walk with you. And you will see me move in obedience. So today, we are continuing through the book of Mark chapter 12 verse 13 to 17 and all right let's give the word of god we we applause it right we're excited about the word of god but we're continuing in the message series meet jesus i believe i don't even know what number we're on i think we're on number like meet jesus number 35 all right we've been going through the book of mark verse by verse and and we are now on mark 12 and this is jesus is at the end of his ministry and the last six chapters of the book of Mark is all about the end of Jesus' ministry. It's crazy. From Mark 1 uh, to 10 is all about the, uh, the ministry of Jesus. Mark, Mark uh, 11 to 16 is just the, at the end of the last two weeks of his life. So you can, you can understand how important it is. So he's nearing the cross. It's the culmination of his life. He's in Jerusalem, and it is the Jewish Passover. And I'm going to just pray, and we're going to read this message, okay? Heavenly Father, speak to us, reveal your word, and I pray you bring life, God. I, I know that I cannot convince anyone towards you, but you open people's hearts, God. And I pray that when God speaks to our hearts, that we would respond. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jim. So I'm going to read verse 13 here. And they sent him some of the Pharisee. So he's, he's, Jesus is teaching. And so these guys, they sent some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. 
And they came and said to Jesus, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearance, but truly teach the way of God. So pretty much they're kissing his butt, right? To set him up. That's what the word of God says. It, then they say this, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, Jesus, knowing their darkness, he said to them, why do you put me to the test? Bring me a denarius, which is a coin, and let me look at it. And they brought one to him. And he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. They marveled at him. That's our verse, and we're going to get into that in just a moment. But before that, I want to ask you a question. Who in here has a best friend? Anyone? Best friend? BFF, right? Someone you can share anything with? So your dreams, your goals, your weaknesses, things that embarrass you, right? Some of us. Do you ever, it's something that it's, it's okay to share with them that exposes you, even your hurts, right? Best friends, anyone? We got BFFs. You, you get the half necklace that links into one, right? With our powers combined, right? But we all need one of these real friends. The kids are like, I have one of those necklaces. And every girl in middle school got one, right? But we really need real friends to go deep with past the surface the, the people who know what's really going on some of them they can just look at you and they know something might be wrong they just look in your eyes and they know they know you and they're willing to ask you hard questions because they love you too much to leave you alone you don't always like them in the moment right but you love them in the lifetime proverbs 27 6 says this faithful listen to this faithful are the wounds of a friend. Plentiful are the kisses of an enemy. Think about that for a moment. Faithful, faithful, that means it's going to come continually, right? Are the wounds of a friend, but plentiful are the kisses of an enemy. And what, uh, what he's saying is friends are willing to wound you so that you can be healed, but enemies, they will tell you what you want to hear to get what they want from you. True friends are hard to find. And FYI, listen to this, guys. You need friends past your spouse. I'm going to just throw that out there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you right there. Is that an amen? I see that hand. No, I'm just kidding. But you need a friend past your spouse. Because what happens when you're arguing with your spouse? Who do you go to then? Right? I, I, see, I need someone who loves me and who will tell me when I'm doing something dumb. Right? When I'm being manipulative or I'm, I need someone to shine a light on my own darkness or my pity party. Because sometimes I like to have pity parties and I'm the only one invited. And I want you to tell me, you're right, John. That was a great idea. They are totally wrong, right? But I need a friend. I do. I need them wound. I need someone even to wound me for my best and for God's best for my life. I know this is normally not spoken. You should say, surround yourself with people who just like you, right? But listen, I need someone to, to just put me in my place sometimes, many times. No amen from Candace, right? She's like, amen. But I need, I need someone to judge me rightly. Like, we don't like judging. I'm American, right? Don't judge me. We say that. I hear that all the time. Christians, they're judging all the time. No, I need someone to judge me rightly. I really do. 
Don't, I don't need someone to always agree with me. If, we all, if we're just surrounded by people who agree with us and run from people who are willing to tell us the truth, what happens when you're wrong? What happens when you're about to make the worst mistake of your life and no one's there to block you, to tell you, that's dumb, John. You need to stop. That's going to ruin that marriage. What you're doing, it's going to ruin your workplace. Don't, don't do that. Your character is more important than that. If no one's there to confront you or to call you out, then you're really in trouble. I'm telling you, you're really in trouble. Because real friends force you to reveal your heart. And I just want to say this. Jesus is your best, best friend forever. He's your BBFF, right? He knows you like nobody else. He sees past the smoke screen, the defense mechanisms, the masks that we wear to hide our hurt, or even the sarcasm we use to hide ourselves, right? Because I'm like that. Anytime I'm in a, like a, I'm in a place where I'm unsure, you can, you can guarantee a joke immediately. Candace, don't shake your head. We don't need that. I, or you, I can guarantee sarcasm from me when it's like, right, uh, when I'm feeling unsure or I feel like you're coming against me. There's some sarcasm. It's like, are you being sarcastic? Yes, I am. Right? Jesus pushes us where you don't want to go, asking you questions you don't want to answer because he loves you. If you ever read the Bible and, 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 and it feels, ugh, it irks you, it's because it's supposed to. He's challenging the way of your life. He's challenging where you are because he loves you. Don't hide from him. Hiding from Jesus is like playing hide and seek with a three-year-old, right? Have you ever, if you have a three-year-old, they're, they're the worst hiders. They're always behind the same place. You're like, you don't even need to go hide. You just count to 20, you're like behind the couch, right? And their leg, like their leg is stuck out and they're like, find me, or they can't, or they make loud noises, and they, they're the worst, right? Ezra, he used to hide in the worst places, or in the same place over and over again, or he would hide next to his brother who hid in a really good place, and be really loud, like, I bet they can't find us, Micah, and then Micah would be like, shut your mouth right now, and, 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 and that's how it is when we're trying to hide from Jesus, that's what it's like, just let Jesus and let him shine. Let him reveal the dark places so you can actually work on it and be free. Some of us in here have held on to things for years and maybe even decades that we haven't worked on. We don't want Jesus to shine his light on this area of our life because it's too exposing. It's too embarrassing. Or we don't want to deal with it. Or we want to hold on to the anger. We want to hold on to the addiction. And Jesus is like, that's where freedom, you need freedom. That's why I keep on coming at you in your life. Some of us, we've held on to daddy issues. Some of us have held on to anger issues, abuse issues for so long. And God's trying to heal us and reveal it to us so we can actually talk about it, so we can move past it, so we can live in freedom. But as long as we remain in the dark, we can never get over it. And we say things like, I can get over it myself. Then why are you still mad? I can, still, I can overcome this myself. Then why are you still dealing with it? Why are you still so angry when someone, you know it when someone says something and it's not even off the cuff, it's just re, re, normal life and you just get angry about it out of nowhere. Or if someone talks about like, uh, uh, I don't know, it could be anything. It could be our image, like, hey, um, you know, it, it could be weight gain. It could be anything, right? But something that has damaged us from, uh, as, as children and then it continues to damage us and we play it off like it doesn't matter when it matters, Right? And I'm telling you, let God reveal his, his light on it. And let him heal you. Let him heal you. 
See, because it goes deeper. It goes deeper. Because at the root, the problem is never the problem, and the issue is never the issue. Listen, family, Jesus exposes our hearts not to shame us, but to save us. And many times, he needs to save us from ourselves. This is one of my favorite quotes by Tim Keller. He's one of my favorite writers. And he, he wrote this, To be loved and not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretenses. It humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and it fortifies us from, for any difficulty life can throw at us. So when we are fully loved and fully known, we can get through everything. When we are fully loved and fully known, we can get through anything. Now in this passage here, the religious leaders, they're coming at Jesus. And it's funny because the religious leaders are from both sides of the political party. There's the Herodians who want to embrace Rome and continue what Rome is doing. And then there's the Pharisees who's like, we don't want none of Rome. They serve Caesar. We don't serve Caesar. We don't want none of that. But both these parties that hate each other hate Jesus, which is funny. That, throws, that just tells you where Jesus stands. He doesn't stand at a political party. He's altogether something different, right? In verse 13, these guys come and they try to trap him. So they construct a question that no matter how Jesus answers it, it makes him the enemy. And they ask, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? The Romans made the Jews pay these taxes to Caesar. And it went straight to Rome, straight to the oppressor right of the jewish people so if jesus says it's lawful then jesus is a traitor and he loves rome and he serves caesar as god but if jesus said the taxes are unlawful the romans would send in their armies and try to knock out this so-called messiah jesus so he's in a pickle he's in a two-way loss and i love verse 15 and 17 knowing the hypocrisy jesus said to them why do you put me to the test why do you put me to this? Bring me that denarius. Bring me that coin. Let me look at it. And they brought him one. And he says, whose likeness inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. And Jesus said this, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And I, that's where I want to focus on. Jesus sees right through them and asking them, whose likeness is this coin? Who owns it? And it's Caesar's image is on this coin, right? And so it's, it, it, if Caesar's image is on this coin, then he owns it. But then he flips everything. And he says, and, who's, he says, and give to God what is God's. Meaning you are image bearers. You belong to God. So give yourself back to God. Revealing that they were not submitted to Caesar. But even greater, they were not submitted to God. This is what the, God's word, anytime you get into God's word, this is what it does. It reveals the true motive of our heart. If you want to look through like uh, Matthew chapter 5 and 6, when I'm going through the Beatitudes this week with some of our guys that I, I lead, and I was like, look through this, and it was just, man, it was messing me up because it, it's calling the things out in my life that I will try to hide even a little bit. But in, in God's word, we are totally exposed even to the things that are hidden to us. Even to the things that we don't know of, it's hidden. So you've been exposed. And, when we, and this is what we do when we are exposed. We try to focus on secondary issues, right? And Jesus will always take us to our primary issue. 
We're like, oh, Jesus, is this, this, and this in my life. And Jesus is like, no, I'm going to take you back here. And then we walk back over, no, Jesus, we need, I need to work on this. It's my Bible reading. It's, it's this. It's my relationship with my, my, my workplace. And then Jesus takes you right back. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's deeper than that. And he takes you back. Jesus will always take us back to our primary issue, which is our relationship with God, our love for him, our resistance towards him, our obedience, our commitment. And it always starts with our relationship, our connection with God. Hebrews 4, 12 to 13 says this, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing and dividing the soul and spirit of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, and all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must account. There is a day that we must account our lives to. I'm telling you, we don't just live our lives and there's no accountability. There will be a day we will stand before God and it's the day with the capital D. And I know a lot of churches might not preach on this, but one day we will stand before God. Think about that. We will stand before God. And what we will say, we're not going to say like, oh, we're not going to have questions for him. We're going to be like, God, I, I pray that I am covered by Christ because I know what I deserve. I pray that I'm covered. God's word will cut through our defenses, telling us what we need is most true, revealing what we need to hear. See, we may believe our greatest struggle is fear. Some of us in this room, we struggle so hard with fear. Some of us is jealousy. Some of us is past hurts. Some of us is lust. Whatever your thing is, but there is honestly one sin. There's literally, I know there's many sins that you see, but there's, at the root of every sin, there's one sin. One sin, all right? It's, it, it's, there's one barrier, there's one struggle that we all face. And are you guys ready for that one sin? If we, here's the one sin we all face, and it's the root of all sin. We believe we know better than God. That was the sin of Adam and Eve. They, they thought, my way is better than your way. I know better for my life than you, God. We believe at the heart of everything, we believe our way is better than his way, and we know what's best for us. That's the original sin. And either Jesus is right and he is God, or we are right and I am God of my life. That's the one sin. It's lordship. It is. Who is Lord and who is master of your life? And, and, and this is crazy right here. That's the one sin we got to deal with. And as we deal with that primary, all the secondary issues will be worked out. That's a promise. God says, seek first his kingdom. Seek first God. And all the secondary will be worked out and will be taken care of. That is a promise of God. So, amen. So if you're dealing with all these secondary things that are so heavy, that's weighing down, seek first God and, and, and start obeying the things of God and things will start working itself out as we trust him that he knows better than us. That's a promise. See, now think of, think of the cross. And maybe there's a picture of the cross. See, that's the cross. And, 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 as we, and when you think of the cross, it's like this, right? And I want you to think about that a lot of times. You, don't, you can do that with your hand if you feel like it, right? As, as you work on your relationship vertically, God will take care of the horizontally. He will. As we trust him, don't just trust him. Obey what he says. 
vertically, my relationship with God, then he will take care of the things horizontal. He will deal with the horizontal. He will heal your horizontal. And I'm going to dig even deeper right now. You're going to love this. How often do we blame our inabilities to trust God on the failures of other people? Right? In our walk in faith or the failures of this church right here, the failures of me. How often do we justify bitterness, anger, frustration on wounds we've received or excuse our behavior and obedience due to someone else's behavior and disobedience? These secondary issues, they are important. But I want to tell you, give to God what is God's, which is you. And we see this in the Bible over and over again everywhere. Anytime you get around Jesus, they will start discussing secondary issues, and Jesus will pull them back and say, hey, take care of this. I'll take care of the rest, right? We see this in the life of Peter. At the end of Jesus, uh, as Jesus is resurrected from the grave, he is with Peter. He's restoring Peter, right? He's at the beach with Peter, and he's like, I'm restoring Peter in relationship and in ministry. And he tells Peter his future. He's, he tells Peter, you're going to be the pastor, and you're going to lead the church. And, and, even, and he even talks to Peter about his death, right? And instead of embracing Jesus and the, his word and his restoration, Peter goes secondary right away. And that's how we do right away. We're like, I need to get right with God. And then we go secondary, right? And, and then look in John 21, 21 to 22, it says, When Peter saw that John the disciple, right, saw, saw him, John the disciple, and said to Jesus, What about this man, Jesus? And Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remains until I come, what is it to you? You follow me. So Jesus is telling him, Peter, that he's going to, this and this is going to happen. And Peter right away says, what about him? It's funny. And that's what we do in our life. And Peter says, what about John? Jesus says, shut up, Peter. Stop comparing. Stop competing. Stop blaming. Stop deflecting. Some of us in here, many times we're like Peter. God has revealed to us what we need to do and what we need in our lives. And maybe it's, it is to serve in the children's ministry or to be committed greater or to give or to love our neighbors right now or to get connected, join a life group, put yourself out there because you don't want put to put yourself out there because you don't know if they'll like you or not. But God is like, do it. Listen, first and foremost, faith is not about how we feel. It's about obedience. It's about Jesus. It's our, it's our allegiance to Christ. Our excuse will always be about me, but our obedience will always be about God. We know what we need to do, and we know what we like to do, and sometimes they don't mix. But I pray that you choose obedience over excuse. I choose obedience over hardship. I know. I, I, I hope we do. I hope that we are willing to overcome our comfort to get a hold of God in a deeper way. And it might be difficult, but as disciples, your primary is to give Jesus, all of you, give to God what is God's. And sometimes we have to get past ourselves for his kingdom in all circumstances, in our, in our blessings and in our suffering, in our relationships and in our singleness, in our work and in our giving, in our time and in our commitment. Give to God what is God's. And I know that exposing our hearts could be terrifying. You don't want to tell no one what's going on. Sometimes we don't even want to tell what God what's going on. But to really look at ourselves, our sin, and where we stand with God. But know this. Jesus knows everything about you. Jesus knows everything about you. Every shameful thing 
our motives, our lies, our lust, our manipulation, our victimization, our fears, our anxieties. He knows everything about us, yet he fully loves us. Jesus knows everything about us, yet he fully loves you. And anything, and, and if anyone should be offended, it should be Christ. He died, he gave his life to cover our sin. So go to God completely today. As we close, Jesus enables us to be vulnerable before him with no fear and no condemnation. He took all of that on the cross. He makes it possible for God to cut out, cut our hearts, but not crush us. He will not crush you. Maybe you feel today like you're the worst, right? Some of us in here, we deal with condemnation. I don't know if you do. I am I'm like condemnation king. Like immediately I go, you're the worst, John. <laughs> you're the worst. I, I might even say it out loud. And, and secretly you, you, you deal with... Um, I don't, I don't know about you, but sometimes I deal with depression. Anyone ever deal with depression in this room, just being straight up? Yeah. Sometimes I get into an odd place, and for the last month, I've been really dealing with it. And I'm like, God, what is this place? Because usually I'm, you know, it's, it's light, but it's been really heavy for me. And, and I, 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 was, I was thinking about this all week, but I wonder how many of you guys can go to that place so easily, so quickly, and then you think thoughts like, I'm not even needed around here. You ever think that thought? And then you think thoughts like, doesn't I? And, and it starts to, to just curve down into like a real dark place. And I know if I get there and my thoughts get there, I know all of us do. Right? And I believe that God wants to move our secondary. God loves you fully. He knows you and he loves you fully. God knows everything about you and he loves you fully. I, I, I think someone needs to hear that today. God knows everything about me, and he loves me fully. He doesn't push me away, cast me away. He doesn't say, once you're better, then John, you can come on this side. Once you're better, Anthony, once you get your life together, then you can, you can join me. He says, no, I've done it. I, I'm your better half. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do the work so that you can come over here and live the fullness of life. Christianity is not about being good people. It's about serving a good God. And He's so good that we marvel at His goodness. We marvel at His grace. And when you're shocked at the cross of how good God is, when you're shocked that Jesus will still love you and that Jesus is still for you when you're fully known by God, man, I hope that you are amazed by God. I hope you're amazed by God. And, and when, you're, when you're amazed by God and you start living that in your life, that's the fullness of life. Don't live anywhere else than being absolutely amazed by the kingdom of God, by what Jesus has done. And then you don't need to say, you don't need to force yourself like, oh, this is hard. No, there's a joy in you. I believe that's where I have to keep on going. I have to go back to Christ. When I put things on my shoulder and it gets too heavy and I'm saying, God, what can I do? What can I do? And God's like, you know what? You know what you can do? You need to start trusting in me. You need to start just recasting your cares on me, John. And some of us, we're control freaks, right? Some of us are a type A personalities and control freaks in one way. And I'm not a type A personality, but I'm definitely, there's things in my life I have to absolutely control. And when those things are out of control, I feel like God might not love me, that I'm doing something wrong. And God's like, John, shut your mouth. 
It's like I'm, I'm Peter all over again. Immediately I deflect and I point it. Look how good they're doing. Mark and Julie, they're always doing good. Look, look how good they're doing, right? It, it's crazy, but we deflect and we compare like, like I was going to say like idiots. You guys aren't idiots. I'm an idiot, right? But immediately in my life, when things are good, when I feel a certain way, I compare. I bet they're doing better than me. I bet their life is, I bet they're more happy than me. And then God, Jesus comes back into my life and says, John, you do what I called you to do. Don't worry about him. He does what he did to Peter. He says, if I want to I keep John around until I come back, what, what is it to you? You do what I've called you to do. And today, as we stand today, I want to I wanna just ask you, have we made secondary issues primary? And I believe Jesus is telling us right now, you do what I tell, told you to do. Look to Jesus. In Christ, there's nothing to be afraid of. When we go before God, we are, there's nothing to be afraid of because Jesus goes before us. In Christ, we can confess and be honest and you receive comfort from him. That's the power of the gospel. Not that we're awesome, but Jesus is awesome. With our eyes closed, I just want to ask you some questions. None of us are exempt. Today, what secondary issue have you made as a barrier to trust in God? What issues do you continue to come back to as the reason you, don't have, you haven't submitted your life fully to God? What things have you made so that you can keep your distance from your church family? Distance from being known, engaging God. I'm busy. His people, His mission. The Word of God says He will take care of it. But first, give to God what is God's, which is all of you with no pretense. God, here I am. Heavenly Father, I pray be with our church family today, God. I pray bind us, unify us, God. Bring us close. There's some of us that if I would ask if you have a best friend, someone close to you, we would say there's no one, God. And I know that's a hard place to be, but I pray, Lord God, that first you are their best friend, Lord God. You are that real, Lord God. You are willing to carry them, wound them, Lord God, and encourage them that you know us fully, yet we're loved fully, God. I pray, God, if there's people in this room that is dealing with condemnation, that is dealing with depression, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bring your peace right now, Lord God, that you would sweep in, Lord God. And I know sometimes it's like a cycle, God. It comes and it goes and it comes and it goes, God. The next day you could be perfect, but on certain days it's so weighty, God. I pray, bring your peace, Lord God, a peace that passes all understanding as we cast our cares on you. You trade us beauty for ashes, Lord God. Joy, Lord God, garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, Lord God. We give you our heaviness today. We thank you. If you're in this room and you just need God, just God to give you his peace, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Thank you all over this room. God, bring peace into this room, Lord God. Not as the world gives, Lord God, but a deep peace that Jesus, you fully know us and you fully love us. And as we, as we run to you, Lord God, you will take care of the rest. God. Let us embrace you, God, more than we embrace anything else in this world. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Candice, you want to take that final offering? 
So um, you guys can be seated. This will be super quick. We'll just get the guys to be out by the two doors at the exit. That'll probably be the easiest way. But um, some of you know Jamie and Isaac. They actually attend our church. And um, they lead Urban Outreach, which is in Five Points, Denver area. And um, it is an area where um, they reach out to people who who don't have homes, basically. Most of the people around there um, that come to their Thursday night dinners or the kids that come on Monday nights um, for Little Rascals during the school season, um, they might be living with multiple um, family members, the kids, and um, so they, on Monday nights uh, during school, they what they do is they take the kids in and they help them do homework and they feed them and they just establish relationships with them and they make, they make Urban Outreach a safe place for those children, like a haven to where they can come. And so Jamie was sharing with me that um, camp is a lot different this year because last year it was the first year where they did Little Rascals, where they brought the kids in. Um, and so she said, it's like the kids are coming in and they're so excited and they're leading the other kids. So they've made them little leaders. And so if the kids are doing something they're not supposed to do, they're like, oh, no, we don't do that here. Like, these are our people. Like, they take care of us. This is, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to show you how to do what they do for us. And so it's just so cool. She said the dynamic of the actual children, because it was total chaos before, is so different just because of the one year on every Monday night that they have come in and been loved by them. And so it's just so amazing to hear that. And um, so they started camp last week. This will be their second week. And then next week um, is their last week. And what they'll do next Friday on the 28th is they'll hand out backpacks and school supplies to 50 children of Five Points Denver who otherwise might not have it. And so we have sign-up sheets in the back. And some people have signed up. If you've already signed up, feel free to bring your stuff by next Sunday. We need it by next Sunday. Um, but we just figured it would be great to give an offering to. So anything extra that wasn't signed up for that we could get for them and that we could just totally bless them and be able to fill that need for the backpacks, for the school supplies, and just bless those kids. Um, that are really amazing. So if you if you have an opportunity, if you have the time, the last week, the 24th through the 28th, we're going to go help from 8 a.m. to 12 and just be able to experience what they're doing with the kids of Five Points. So if you're interested, definitely let me know. And um, please just give towards that because um, it's amazing what they do and it's amazing the difference um, in the lives that they're making just by following what God has told us to do. So um, thank you guys and you can give um, the guys have the bags in the back and have a great week and we'll see you next Sunday. Thank you guys. You guys are dismissed.